We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 6th day of May, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? It's good to see you. You've missed the somewhere between iconic and psychotic bit. I, I did. Which I was, I, did. Start, I was starting to enjoy that. I'm good. The weather's been lovely. Although I'm sat here in a coat with a scarf on, it's only because it's turned chilly of the evening. But yeah, we're, we're enjoying the spring. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, I got some feedback from a uh, from a listener on you uh, not too very long ago, and I haven't had a chance to tell you about it until now. So I'll tell you now. They said to tell you hello, and th this is a this is an American who has said this. They said to tell you hello, and you are welcome to read them the phone book any day of the week. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, that's very kind of them. Very very kind of them. Is some form of uh, of um, some way of getting to sleep, no doubt. If Apparently. I could just lull Apparently. them into, yeah, it's the into slumber. It's, it it's the accent. Uh -huh. Bruce, how are you today? Obviously, yeah, it's Bruce. Uh, healthy and alive as usual. Yeah. And uh, we're we're having some lovely weather as well. Uh, Marty, it's nice and rainy, dreary. I, I, I take it it's average English weather? Yeah, for Manchester. Mostly Manchester. It's always raining in Manchester. Any, anywhere north of Birmingham tends to be a bit rainy. Well, we had some lovely lightning and thunder associated with it, so that was... That's always entertaining. I used was, to enjoy yeah. watching um, the thunder and lightning and, uh, you know, all, all the different uh, forms of weather over Jebel Hafeet when I lived in Alain in, in the United Arab Emirates. Because um, you get extremes of weather there as well, obviously. Most of the time it's scorching hot, but then you get these really heavy downpours with plenty of electrical activity. And, you know, it's it's like nature's fireworks, isn't it? It's it's good fun to watch. Agreed. I wonder how many times the Burj Khalifa has been struck. You know, that massive building, you know, the tallest yeah, one yeah. in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've had coffee underneath it many times. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but they've also got these fountains, a musical fountain, and the water shoots uh -huh. 100 feet into it. the air. Yeah, and um, At night, it's quite a show. Oh, yeah. I'm sure the birch has been struck many times. Um, in fact, it probably takes a lot of the heat off the other buildings around there because there's the Dubai Mall uh, right next to it and the Address what's, Hotel. What's Is that the one that looks like the uh, the, the sail? Is, is that the one that's on the coast right now? No, there? Like that the is the Burj Al Arab, um, Burj Al -Arab which is okay. the world's only seven-star hotel, and that's right on the coast. In fact, it's got a, uh, a glass tunnel that goes to a restaurant which is underwater mm. and uh, you can sit there and eat with fish swimming around you. Um, I've eaten on the very top floor. Um, that restaurant out which there, was, I've seen that. They're the one yeah, that sticks out and it, hangs over. Yeah, I've seen that. It, it's um, Dubai's most expensive um, Sunday brunch is is on the top of the Burj Al Arab. But here in, in Portsmouth and Gosport in the, in the south of England, we have 
an almost identical building called the Spinnaker Tower. It's much smaller, hasn't got a restaurant, and is actually just a viewing platform that overlooks Portsmouth Harbour, but it's exactly the same shape. And I think we had it first. And it doesn't offer a uh, an expensive Sunday brunch, I'm assuming. No, but you can get fish and chips at the bottom. <laughs> of course you can because you're in England. All right, um, let's jump into some topics today. Boris Johnson has pledged another 300 million pounds. I mean, I I really shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised because I think the U.S. were pledging uh, was it like a, a billion a billion dollars a month now or something like that, a billion dollars every other week or or something to that effect. Isn't Last that what Zelensky asked for? He said, "I need I need something like 1.5 billion a month just to keep the country going while we fight this war." I think so. so yeah. yeah. And, and uh, yeah. I think we, we funded an, another like 33 billion, I'm wanting to say, or they were talking about 33 billion. Oh, 33. Yeah. What was going to be the return on all this money? Seriously? Nothing for Nothing. the American people. It's all for the elite. Uh, they have a lot of their dirty dealings that go on in Ukraine. Yeah. It's just preserving their great big money laundering washing machine that is the Ukraine. It's doing nothing for anybody else. Uh, you know, grain's not going to be cheaper. Oil and gas isn't going to be cheaper. Um, there's, there's also an argument to be made that this is um, part of the Great Reset. They're, they're triggering the whole war and everything. And here in America, uh, a lot of the worst policies that were passed, you know, the, the worst, like um, the uh, Patriot Act, for example, that was under an extreme scenario with war and, you know, Everything that's happened that that removes your rights is always under an extreme scenario. Well, now we're in a war uh, war footing. Um, Russia is threatening nuclear war, so they're they're I, I think trying to escalate everything, and then they're going to try to you know shove more stuff down our throats. Yeah, they'll they'll sneak it in um, without us even noticing, or the uh, ovine amongst us, the sheep will actually start asking for it because they think that's what they need because that's what the narrative is telling them. That's what MSN will be preaching. Oh, you've got to have these restrictions. You've got to uh, welcome Ukrainian families into your home. But, of course, they'll need digital IDs. And if they're having them, you might as well have them as well. Even today, uh, it, it was it was the, the opposite of that, really. It, it was um, a brief instruction from... My bosses, which was, if you're thinking about having a Ukrainian family live with you, you will have to inform the security uh, organization um, because we we can't take too many too many risks. Well, they, they needn't have worried. They needn't have worried. Sense. I haven't got room for a Ukrainian family. How much longer do you expect it to go on? There's talk that it's going to be over in a week, two weeks, but. As long as they keep the uh, the machine flood or the machine flowing in there, as you know, arms keep going in there. Uh, the Germans they decided they were going to send they were going to send anti air uh, over there. They sent the anti air, but they didn't send any ammunition for it. And then they said, "Well, we don't uh, have any ammunition for it. We're going to get that from Brazil." And Brazil said, "Okay, we'll give you the ammunition for it, but we're not going to give it to you if you send it to another country, especially Ukraine." So there's all sorts of <laughs> laws. Uh, there's all sorts of laws caught under ITAR, the International Treaty on Arms Restriction, which was care. all implemented. It was all implemented by the US. If someone in the UK passes on either technical documentation or the physical article themselves uh, to another country without the right licenses from the US, 
they can wind up with their employees in orange jumpsuits in Guantanamo Bay before they've blinked an eye. So America is breaking all its own rules um, that it, it put into place. Are you surprised? Um, no, I'm not, because, you know, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. The Demorats are in, and and they're just running roughshod over everything. Um, things are going quite mad. But you asked that the, the original question was, how lo- much longer is it going to go on for? If we keep sustaining the combat, um, it's going to go on and on and on. Putin cannot back down. He will be out of office and probably assassinated or jailed or whatever as soon as the Russians realise that he's made a big mistake. And so he will keep going. He will keep doubling down, as is the the you know, the the, the inclination of all politicians these days. He will keep doubling down. And so if Europe and America are supporting Ukraine by flooding the place with money and arms it's going to go on and on. So, yeah, you, the, your guess is as good as mine on on that, and t- or until the aims of the serial have been achieved, which is that that washing machine for the filthy money of the of the elite um, is safe once more. Once that has been achieved, then the war will pro- probably end. Well, it, it, I think it also so. depends on how the cancer surgery that. Putin's rumor. Is to he have. actually doing that, or do you think that's just a rumor? Do you think that's actually? I happening? don't know. That's 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 the rumor. You you also have um, ex KGB agents saying uh, he has dementia. Um, uh-huh. There's a lot of rumor and speculation. Though I would say he is acting a bit. Um, that could be to flush out crazy. his potential. It could be to flush out his potential opposition. You know, kind of like what she yes. did. A couple of a couple of years ago, to flush out his opposition. Do, do you remember yeah. the uh, the bank, the head of the Bank of China disappeared, and after yeah. he came out and, and made a couple of statements, and then you know because Xi was he just kind of disappeared, and everybody was like, "Where's he at?" And some others started to assert themselves, and I think it was just a way for him to flush out his opposition. And that head of the Bank of China wasn't the head of the Bank of China any longer. And then, of course, Jack Ma disappeared for a while too. You know, of course, until he learned the error of his ways. But it's the uh, it's the same thing with uh, it could be the same thing with Putin is is all I'm saying is it could be to flush out his potential uh, opposition in this case, because we have been seeing a lot of oligarchs mysteriously commit suicide yeah. uh, along with all that's, of their family. I was going to point out. Yeah. You know, I heard yeah, something earlier this week. Yeah, I heard something earlier this week. I heard a uh, an expert on the former Soviet Union uh, who's debriefed a lot of KGB defectors. And he said that the oligarchs, the Russian oligarchs, how they became oligarchs was quite interesting. So the KGB, at the time of the Soviet Union collapse, the KGB handpicked these guys, the, the Russian oligarchs. They handpicked them and said, of course, when it became the FSB, they handpicked them and said, look, you're going to become an oligarch if you want it. We'll give you uh, billions and billions of dollars or, or whatever, and, and we'll work deals with you, and you'll be allowed to make all kinds of money. But you're going to do our bidding. You're expendable. So what, I mean, <laughs> no one's ever offered me to be an oligarch. So, I mean, I don't know a whole lot uh, about that um, uh, about that type of thing, but it would explain why a lot of them have been uh, suicided in the last uh, few weeks, would it not? It certainly would explain that. Um but if you think about it from a totalitarian government control perspective, with the fall of the Soviet Union, and I know you've said this, and and I I've only really just got to grips with it. 
that it never really ended. The Soviet Union never really ended. It had to appear to be big into commercialism and capitalism. And so you had to have these oligarchs created to run the businesses, to, to have the export companies, to do whatever they have to do. But of course, they can influence um, their supply chain. You know, the, the, right the way down, who, whoever buys from them that makes them richer and richer can be influenced by their actions, by price, by all kinds of things. So, yeah, I, I'm starting to come online with the way you you were thinking when you said that the Soviet Union never really ended. No, I don't, I don't believe that it did. I mean, let's just look at it from the standpoint that you laid out there. So you've got the oligarchs that came along and they created the channels for the front, you know, the holding companies and the in, import-export things, things like that. Okay, fine. But again, remember who they were working for supposedly behind the scenes, KGB, FSB, that's who they were working for. Now, let's look at this from a free market standpoint, the capitalist side of things. The Soviet Union, quote, collapsed, right? They tried capitalism. Businesses are exploding over there, right? This is not a jab at the Russian economy. I'm simply asking a question. And the question is, what cars does Russia make that the world wants? What appliances? Uh, yeah, there are none. What no, home none. appliances? No, what home appliances are there that the Russians make that the world demands? What electronics do the Russians make? As in all this technology, we've got, you know, monitors and keyboards and, and microphones and cameras and phones and everything else. What do they make that the world wants? I don't see them making anything. It's, uh, it's all commodities, isn't it? It's commodities. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gold, and uh, gold, it's uh, oil, and it's natural gas. And of course, they do have uh, the world's largest uh, nickel production just north of the Arctic Circle. But not only that, you've got the... The, the black side of um, the economy with all the crime that was um, run by the Russian mafia. And some of those guys were given yeah. legitimate status yeah, they were as, as the oligarchs. They were ex yeah. Some of those were ex-KGB. Because the, when the KGB disbanded, a lot of them didn't have anywhere to go. So they went into organized so, crime. Online porn, online gambling, human trafficking, drugs, illegal arms... And then again, you've got the legal side of it. There's lots of countries that are aligned with Russia that love to have MiG-29s and um, the latest, whatever that the, uh, came after T-95 or the, you know, the T-72, Kalashnikovs, um, RPGs. Oh, that's, a, that's a worldwide commodity, you know, that, the Kalashnikov. That's, that's, a, uh, that's a special it, just about anywhere. In uh, yeah. it, throughout the Eurasian landmass and down in Africa, there are products that the world wants, but it's not one that the average guy on the street will buy. It's what despot dictators and other totalitarian government leaders will buy or be given in in return for something else, some other favor to be called in later by Russia. Let's um. I'll tell you what. Let's switch up here a little bit because uh, I want to, want to sit here and talk about uh, Russian Ukraine the rest of the time. Let's talk about a little bit of Bill Gates stuff. I've got a lot of clips of Gates that I've been holding back. I've been waiting uh, for you to come on this week, Marty. So uh, I've been holding these back specifically for you. We talked a while back about Gates on the. Uh, he was doing a TED talk, and he was yeah. he was 
basically he was he's trying to pitch his idea to the world about what he wants to create. Uh, we can get down into that. I've got uh, I've got stuff uh, along those lines, but he wants to create a new team of people that are international. They have no bounds and they can go in and they can stop pandemics and blah blah blah. He calls it a germ team. I've got his whole ad pitch and everything on it that he put together with his foundation and everything else. Then he narrated the whole thing and described it in cute little cartoony fashion like he does because he markets to 12-year-olds uh, with that type of mindset. So I've got that, and he's a little confused as to why people don't like him. Are you suggesting he's a pedo by marketing to... I didn't say that. No, no, I, I didn't say that. But got the Epstein stuff too. And he yeah, he, he reiterated once again that he's he's made a terrible mistake. He, he's made a terrible mistake with that. But I've got those as well. But um, Marty, can you think of any reason why people wouldn't like him before we get into the audience? I can, but it's a family show, isn't it? It, it is. We do have the beep button if you need something. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's like that joke, isn't it? Why has Noddy got a bell on his hat? Because he's a... It's not that funny. See, you guys don't find it funny because you never watch Noddy, but no, we in the UK find that really, really funny. And Bill Gates is just not a very nice human being, full stop. He's always been rich. I think for people to appreciate money and wealth, they need to have experienced some form of hardship, some form of poverty, and he never has. Um Royalty, on the other hand, are trained and groomed for that role, and they are taught about what it's like to be poor, about what their um, subjects have to go through. So whilst they're not the same as you or you or I, um, the royalty at least are given some idea about what it's like to be a normal person. Gates has never been a normal person. Therefore, his way of thinking, his way of approaching things is totally alien to the rest of us. That's why nobody likes him. And he's a yeah, I I can't disagree with you on that uh, on that that usage of uh, of that term there. Although we we don't say that in the U.S. That in the U.S. it means something else. I know what it means in England basically, but in the U.S. that's not what it means. That's the one of the worst things. You no, no, no. It means the same thing. It, it, it comes. Does it? it comes. It? Yeah. yeah, I've been reliably informed that it comes from the Anglo-Saxon term for a gap in a hedge. Interesting. So where you have a hedge separating two fields, if you had a gap in that hedge, it would give you access from one field to another. And so it became a uh, euphemistic term for something else, uh -huh. which uh -huh. is the same thing in the US as it is in the uh -huh. UK. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. You are going to have to bleep those, obviously. I, yeah, I, I'm going to have to bleep those, but I I, I stand corrected. I, I stand corrected. Okay, uh, without further ado, because we've got uh, a little bit of audio to cover uh, with all of this, let's uh, let's get into Mr. Gates. This is him on the stage at the TED Talk talking about what he wants to create. Now, often in movies, we'll have pandemics, and I'm always impressed with what takes place. Let's look at an example of this rapid response. Well, that's quite impressive. We don't need the music, but otherwise we saw exactly what should happen. An outbreak's detected very quickly, literally within days. Uh, doctors are dispatched. Uh, they have a helicopter to get into exactly ground zero. Uh, they go in there and they 
they've got the right tools. And this is what should happen when an outbreak is spotted. But we don't have that team. We don't have those resources. And if, if an outbreak took place in a low-income country, it could be literally months before we started to orchestrate those resources. So despite what you see in movies, there is no group of experts standing by to prevent this disaster. So we have to create a new team. I believe we should create what I call the GERM team. Uh, GERM stands for Global Epidemic Response and Mobilization. This group is full-time. Their only priority is pandemic prevention. The cost of this team is significant. It's over a billion a year uh, to support the 3,000 people who would be on this team. And its mission is to stop outbreaks before they become pandemics. And so for all of this, the first 100 days are key. Viruses spread exponentially. And so if you get in there when the infection rate is fairly small, you can actually stop the spread. You know, in this epidemic, if we'd been able to stop it within 100 days, we would have saved over 98% of the lives. Now, we did have countries that did a good job. Australia is an example. They orchestrated diagnostic capacity. They came up with uh, distancing policies and quarantine policies. And so their overall death rate per capita will be well less than a tenth of other countries. But we did not, as a world, uh, contain it. And that's what we have to do next time. That's what we have to do next time. Now, what he said... Yeah, go on. Go on. I'll, I'll let you go. You, it, I, I talked about just, this all the week, so go ahead. There's several points there. First of all, germ. How infantile is that to, to call the organization germ, for instance? The next thing is, I've mentioned this before, you have to be careful how you write certain people's uh, job descriptions and their, their job scalers, their, the tasks, subtasks and task elements. If you had a doctor and you gave them one task, which was maintain a healthy population, all you'd need to do is arm them with some form of submachine gun. As soon as a sick person walked into their consulting room, they would shoot them and therefore they would maintain a healthy population. So North Korea, this, the way they did it. Yeah. That's literally we'll, what they did. Yeah. This guy here, Gates, or Noddy, as I shall refer to him in future. So so Noddy's saying that it's going to cost a billion a year to, to, to use these people, and, and we're going to stop early on. How are they going to stop? How are they going to know what is a serious enough outbreak for these 3,000 people to mobilise? Obviously, it has several teams. But the thing is, there are... They already exist. There is the United Nations. There is the World Health Organization. They do have doctors. They do have teams that are ready at, at the drop of a hat to go anywhere in the world. You've got Medicine Sans Frontières, which is Doctors Without Borders, who will do the same thing. This new organization isn't needed because the countries that will let you in to go and help them are already part of the United Nations. The ones, the very few countries in the world that are not part of the United Nations won't let you in anyway. You can't go there. They're, they're rogue countries. You, you just wouldn't travel inside them because it would be too dangerous. So Gates is up to something else. Sorry, Noddy is up to something else. Noddy. This, I, this I like whole thing, it, it, he stinks. It, it stinks. The ridiculous shape of the man. 
I mean, is he seventy something <laughs> did you, now? Did you see that? Yeah, he's, I think he's yeah he's he's seventy something, but he is uh, he's quite out of shape, isn't he? Here's the guy that's going to give you. Uh, uh, he's he's like got the money. Printed he's got the money. Whatever. Yeah, he he's got the money and 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 the lifestyle to have a, a nutritionist, yeah. a personal trainer, his own personal gym inside his building, an Olympic sized swimming pool in his back garden. There is no excuse for a man of whatever age with all of those benefits to be that out of shape. He looks ridiculous. And I've said this before, that shape of belly isn't flab. It's not subcutaneous fat. It's visceral fat around his organs, usually due to high consumption of alcohol. So I think he is a high-function alcoholic now. That can, that's the only explanation for that shape of belly. It's a beer belly, as we call it in the UK. I don't know what you call it in yeah, the same. States. Yeah, we, we call it same. a spare yeah. tire, yeah, beer keg, whatever, you know. A spare tire is, is usually, in our terms, that's the subcutaneous fat. That's, that's where fat is building up around the muscle uh, and, yeah. and, and under the skin. But that kind of fat, is around his organs. It's around his liver and his stomach, and it's usually related to alcoholism. I wanted to actually go a different way with that, but you know what? Since you brought it up, uh, and we'll get back to that in a second, since you brought it up, I wanted to play this clip. I don't know if you heard this clip. I wanted to play this clip just since you brought it up. I wasn't going to play this, but just since you brought it up. This is Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is one of the biggest podcasters on the block. He's got like a million plus listeners like a day. I mean, it's uh, he's he's huge. Uh, or, if well, I, I, like if I ever... Or whatever. He's, he's massive. Yeah, if I ever engaged in hero worship, I would put Joe up there, but yeah. I don't, you know. <laughs> I, I always say when encountering people of celebrity that they met me not the other way around but that's uh -huh. just my own arrogance but yeah joe is way up there and I, I do like his style yeah yeah he's he's really good he made this comment on some of the same points you were just making about bill gates we've played this before but just for reference purposes i'm gonna play this again bill gates is now the largest owner of farmland in the united states <sighs> yeah we looked at that up once there was some sort of dispute about that but then we looked at it said he was he wants right? He owns a lot. He put it down way. The Gates, yeah. Gates Foundation is one of the major sponsors of this study that okay. I was just talking so about. It's so and but the thing is, like, he keeps saying that we've got to eat less meat, and you know we've got to cut our consumption of meat out to be healthy, and that we're going to get used to these meat alternatives. When a guy like that says that, I'm like, are you making money because of this? Like, why are you saying that? And by the way, you look like shit. Like, because if you're eating those those plant based burgers or whatever the f you're doing like you're obese like it, a guy like that telling people about he's got these breasts Moves. and this this gut and i'm like this is crazy you're one of the richest guys on earth you have access to the best nutrients the best you could have a, an amazing trainer you you could be in phenomenal shape and you're giving out public health advice you you're giving out health advice and you're sick it's like a, literally like a non-athlete trying to coach professionals. Like, what the f*** are you talking about? How are you giving any health advice when you look like that? Your health is piss poor. I'm not a doctor. But when you've got man boobs and a gut and you're walking around, you have these like toothpick arms. I'm like, hey, buddy, you're not healthy. Wow. Either I'm going to have to sue Rogan for um, plagiarism, <laughs> or he's going to have to sue me because I haven't seen that clip before. I swear down, I have not seen that clip before. But 
We've just said exactly the same thing. Go ahead, Bruce. I believe I know you want the, to talk. I believe the the first time I seen that uh, that video, I, I I believe I said the same thing as one of the uh, co-hosts or guests that he had on there was uh, moobs. Uh, that's the uh, technical term for uh, male breasts is moobs. Um, but um, I, I I will point out though that uh, Rogan was saying if you're eating those. Um, uh, vegan burgers or, you know, uh, vegetarian burgers, burgers or whatever yeah. the hell it is, plant uh -huh. burgers. You're awful overweight. I've eaten those vegan burgers and those plant burgers. They're like, it's almost like Asian food. If you, if you get what I'm uh, going at. Yeah. You're um, stuffed within like 30 later, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, it's same thing. So yeah, it's because they're, they're high fiber, but your body breaks the fiber down. Uh, there, and there is a uh, bean and whatnot in there. So there is some protein yeah. and whatnot, but yeah, it, but it, it it's animal proteins are what allowed our brains to develop to the level that they did. It was, you know, um, early man first started to uh, fish, for instance, and all those omega-3 oils and everything that really helps the brain uh, develop and stay healthy. It, it meant our intellect grew. What he wants is is some kind of reversal of that so that the chosen few that will be no doubt eating giant panda in secret um can remain the intellectual masters of the rest of the zero asset thrall race that we will become when well, we're all eating their bugs and their their veggie burgers if that's indeed the track that he's on then uh, honestly i'm not entirely sure how much time the guy's got left because if well, you're no, that if you're that age cloned himself probably yeah but if you're that age and this guy's what like it, it, did we say he's in the 70s he's in his 70s now i think if, he's in his 70s yeah okay if you're that age and you've got uh, an obesity problem and a very serious health problem like what he looks like uh, if you're that at that age you're an even higher risk hell you're a higher risk at half that age quite frankly he's only 66 66 okay well, he, he looks like he's 76 he, he looks like he's 70 yeah but again not to harp on too much longer about his looks and his size no, and shape because we need to move on he has got a finish face and as joe rogan pointed out little bean sprout arms it's his body that is carrying too much weight. It's it's not all over. It's not evenly distributed that you'd expect to see on someone who was obese through what they were eating rather than obese through what they are drinking. You got it, my friend. Moving right along here. Uh, okay, so back to the back to the TED talk. Anti-vaxxers. That's a term that's been thrown around at nauseum for the last few years, right? Because of the whole COVID thing. Oh, you don't want to take a COVID vaccine? You're an anti-vaxxer. Well, no, I just, I don't want to take something that's experimental, that's pushed by Bill Gates with a new type of technology that we don't know what it's going to do. Uh, I'd like to see some more research. I'd like to see some more information. I'd like to see some more data. Well, shut up, anti-vaxxer. We're telling you what's safe and effective, and you just need to do what you're told. Okay. I'm I'm an anti-vaxxer. I mean, it, these, the left coming out with the different names that they call us now, I'm just like, I don't care. Like your your name calling is petty. Uh, I, I don't care. I'm a, you call me a nationalist and extremist and an anti-vaxxer and all those things. Okay, what of it? <laughs> if that's what you in, got, in my, that's the best you got. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, in in my dreams at night, I, I have been you know approached by a figure in the dream, and they've called me an anti. <laughs> they were going to say vaxxer, but that's when I straight finger jabbed them to the throat. 
Oh, um, okay. Good thing to I'm, do in a dream. I, yeah. I can relate. Yeah. I'm looking forward to tomorrow, actually, because I've got to pay a visit to my doctors. And for the last two weeks, I've been receiving these SMSs saying, follow this link and fill in this health habit survey. And I've gone, no, I won't be doing that. Then I got another one saying, oh, you haven't filled in your health habit survey. It's very important for us to update our records. And I thought, well, I've been at the same doctors now for th over 30 years. So no, you don't need to. Um, and then I got, oh, it's your last chance. Today is the last chance to fill in the, the details. Um, and I'm just not going to do it. And I'm looking forward to whoever I see tomorrow, to them asking me, oh, why haven't you done that? And I'm going to tell them I haven't done it because it's unnecessary and it's just data farming the people in your practice because some other company will have created the survey and you can bet, albeit anonymously, that that data will be sold on to Big Pharma. And across, you know, across the country, that is the kind of data collection we all knew that they were going to be permitted to sell data anonymously some time ago. And there was a, a, a petition raised and then there was a letter printed that you could sign and send off, which forbade them from selling your data, even anonymously. And uh, I think this is just another thinly veiled attempt uh, at getting that data. So, yeah, that's what they're after. They're after us... They, they want to know everything about us so that the big pharma companies can hike the drugs that most people need, hike the prices of those. They they want to deny certain people the, the kind of treatments they would need on the basis of their their weight, whether they smoke or not, whether they drink alcohol, whether they exercise often enough. But those people are paying their insurance whether it's here in the UK through national insurance or if it's in the States or Europe through medical insurance, they're paying for that service already, but they want to restrict some of those parts of that service to individuals because it's it's all part of the plan to reduce that number down to zero, which mm -hmm. he said in another TED Talk. He did. He did. He said, you know, we do a really great job with this on new vaccines, healthcare reproductive health. We can get that number down by 10 to 15 percent, but uh, we're not going to get into all that today. I do have those clips. Those are on tap. We can play those anytime we need. This is him talking about anti-vaxxers. This has been pretty personal for you. You have, you know, the anti-vaxxers are out there. They are loud. And this has become personal. I just wanted to ask, like, how are you how are you managing that? Well, it's kind of weird. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Now, our, our foundation, the Gates Foundation, is very involved in vaccines, the invention of new vaccines, funding vaccines, and we're very proud that uh, through joint efforts like Gavi, uh, that saved tens of millions of lives. So it's somewhat ironic to have somebody turn around and say, no, you know, we're using vaccines to kill people or to make money, or you know, we started the pandemic, even some strange things like that I somehow want to track you know, the location of individuals because I'm so deeply desirous to know where everybody is. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that information. And, you know, does this turn into something where, you know, there's constantly crazy people showing up? Who knows? Uh, but 
you know, hopefully as the pandemic calms down, people are more rational about, hey, vaccines are a miracle and there's a lot more we can do. Why is it that he's constantly vaccines, 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 and you don't even bother to mention, like, for example, the first hundred days he was touting with his little germ pitch. And he says, well, a lot of people died. We could have saved like how many millions and blah, blah, blah. Why didn't you do that with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin? Masses of vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. Things that were shown to work. I've got a paper right here at arm's length that shows that a specific amount of vitamin D3 reduces COVID mortality to zero. Zero. And that was done by three different independent studies at three different German universities. Why wasn't that mentioned? Well, see, if you have that, then that means there's no emergency use authorization. If you have no emergency use authorization, you have no vaccines. That's why he's not mentioning it, because that's his bread and butter. Somehow people are saying that uh, we have vaccines to kill people. Uh, dude, you said it yourself. You said it yourself. If we do a really great job with this on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health, uh, let me see. Let's just take the first point you made, vaccines. The only way you can reduce the population of people through the use of vaccines is either sterilization or euthanization. There is no third option. Unless there is one that I'm overlooking, I'm I'm willing to entertain if either of the two of you have an answer to that. But making these, money, these, these guys, yeah, we know why the um the, you know the preventative medicine wasn't used because that would mean that they would there would be no need for the vaccine. So the vaccine vaccines, uh, of which he invested in just about every single company that that created them. And he did state that he was expecting a 20-fold return on his investment, which is a huge amount. Those vaccines have caused injuries. We still don't know the long-term effects. And everyone I've spoken to recently who's had COVID has been vaccinated. And it's got worse because they had COVID before they got vaccinated. They've been vaccinated. They've had it since. And it's actually worse. They're, they're more tired. And I've explained to them that, well, your immune system is now fine-tuned to recreate that spike protein, and that's all it's doing. And it's not actually fighting hard enough against the virus that you're infected with. And so it's becoming tired. You're becoming tired. And it's taking you longer and longer to get over the virus. But I'm more interested in the tick that was pointed out on on Telegram by one of our listeners about what he kept doing with his hand. And I've only just worked it out. Now I've seen it bigger. There's a song that goes, third finger left hand, that's where she placed the wedding band. Every time he was talking about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the vaccine creation, he was thinking of his wife, who's left him, divorced him, and he was touching exactly where his wedding ring would have been. That's what's going on there. Why did Belinda, uh, sorry, Melinda, Bill, Linda, are they the same person? I don't know. I've never seen them Bell both Linda. in the same room. Yeah, sorry. Bell Ender. Um, <laughs> why did she leave? Why did she leave? Uh, probably because she couldn't stomach what they were doing anymore. Yeah. When it was all about reproductive health and allowing people to plan their families, and I know that there's a lot of people who will be um, up in arms 
even about that because there were the the abortion clinics rather than just contraceptives to stop people getting pregnant when they don't want to be pregnant they were also running the abortion clinics as well and um there, there, there's no doubt that unwanted children cause poverty in western society but there is no such thing as an unwanted child in africa or india or parts of asia because those children become your pension they look after you in your old age and so by removing someone's old age support by them not having children it means their old age is going to be even shorter it's not going to be a long time they're not going to live into their 80s their 90s they're going to get reach 70 be too old and tired to work and they will die because they haven't got the children who have grown up and got their own jobs and farming and whatever so yeah every time he's um mentioning these things he's touching his wedding ring finger and all of those things are going through his mind. Why did she leave? Why did my wife divorce me? And I think I've just explained it's because, I. well, my take on it is she couldn't stomach the truth anymore, so she left. Could be. Yeah, it could be. It could also be that uh, that could be the cause of his, uh, as you pointed out, it could be this uh, high consumption of alcohol could have led him down that path because, quite frankly, he was in... And to his credit, he was in a little bit better shape when they were still married. Uh, ever since this is uh, this divorce has happened, it looks like his health has uh, taken a turn for the worse. Under normal circumstances, I'd feel sorry for him and, and send him a supportive message like, you okay, hun, on Facebook or something like that. <laughs> but um, no, absolutely bollocks to him. Horrible scrotum of a man. Bruce, you want to say something there before I, before I yeah, get back yeah. into the... Yeah, uh... yeah. I'll... I'll... I'll throw in and say that um, the accused reason as to why they broke up was uh, Epstein. Yeah. But I don't think it was Epstein. I think that's the lesser of the two evils. Um, (laughs) Because we had 800,000 people die that shouldn't have died because of COVID. It's because they were denied early treatment. That's true. Yeah. That is true. He said there in the latter part of his uh, his statement that he says, somehow uh, I want to know the location of people at all times because he's deeply desirous to want to know where everybody is. Well, the crowd laughed at him. I know you guys probably couldn't hear that, but uh, the crowd laughed at him. The crowd laughed at him because they don't understand what he's talking about. We understand what he's talking about. The digital yeah. ID, the COVID passports that you had to take with the injections that he told you that you had to get, those are what it's all about. Those do what? Those track your location all the time. The contact tracers, they all run together with it. We just read an article yesterday about how, uh, through a FOIA request, that was, it wasn't even public. You had to FOIA to find it out. The CDC tracked millions of Americans without their knowledge through their private cell numbers in their location data to find out if they broke or violated quarantine uh, or lockdown restrictions in the U.S., And he's not deeply desirous to know where everyone is. Of course not. No. I have here a statement from the World Bank back in 2020, right after the the whole COVID thing took off. They were already saying it. Pay very close attention to what this woman has to say. Uh, On inclusive digital ID for a resilient recovery from COVID-19, we can take the moment of what's happening today to to make some significant changes for digital uh, transformation. I speak today with two hats as the World Bank's Managing Director for Development Policy Partnership and as Raj mentioned, as Chair of the High-Level Advisory Council of our Identification for Development and Government to Persons Payment Initiative. 
the importance of our, our mission. Uh, the whole ID4D is about digital ID. And all of us today take our ID for granted. Uh, all of us have legal ID and most likely also a, a digital ID. And it has been the gateway uh, for us to participate in the economy, uh, participate in all things uh, that we, that are about uh, living and about uh, accessing to essential services. The times of today, the way we are uh, seeing how the COVID-19 pandemic has um, evolved and uh, has actually emphasized the need for such a digital ID system. And uh, we all know that the trusted digital ID system is only one of the core building blocks of what's called the stack, that together with digital payments and data interoperability and shared services can be transformational for not just delivering the social assistance that we are seeing happening, but also to build an inclusive and resilient uh, digital economy and societies. And I really uh, want to acknowledge uh, that this reach and scale of impact would not be possible without support of our partners, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the UK government, the French government, and the OBDR uh, network. So we really look forward to continuing to scale up our thought leadership, our convening power, our advice and financing to help countries have a resilient recovery and emerge from this crisis stronger and more inclusive than before and use the opportunity to accelerate digital transformation at the same time. So you see, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, I see they have to thank their partners, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the UK government, the French government, and of course, who is now the company that's been contracted to create COVID passport IDs for the world, not for a single country, for the world. Deutsche Telekom, or as you know it outside of Germany, T-Mobile. So uh, is that, again, he, he doesn't want to lady... know. He doesn't want to know where people's locations are. What, how, of, course, of course, he wants to know because he wants to be able to prevent people from, or rather, the new world order wants to be able to stop people from gaining services that they want to purchase and also stop them from traveling. It wants that total control. You know, it's it's interesting you say that. Uh, just on that point, I, I'm sorry to interject. I'll let you get on with your point. But did I tell you, Marty, that I, I've been driving an electric car? It's in my driveway. Did, did I tell you that? Yeah, I was a little bit ashamed of you when you told well, me. Well, I, I yeah. didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't pay for it. It's not a function. Okay. Yeah. So I went out and I got into it today. I, I opened the garage door. And I, I went out and I got into it. And before I even stuck the key in it, because I was just zipping across town for something, and I didn't want to take the you know the other car out. Before I even stuck the key in it, it popped up on. You know, the screen there the, on the uh, the little console, the touchscreen console popped up and said, we're terribly sorry, but the location services and the data transmission between this vehicle and the company, which it's Renault, will not be available today. We're sorry for the uh, the inconvenience. Why do they even have that? Why do they need to know that? Why is that being tracked? How is that being tracked? That's not a service that's being paid for. How's that being tracked? Uh, that's, and, that's just a complete invasion of privacy. Of course it is. Renault know where you're driving your car. Of it's course it is. It's got nothing to do with them. But well, once they've sold the car, um, that should be the end of their involvement. Exactly. But no, it's it's not, is it? They, so they want to it's, know it's every in real single time. detail. It's in real time. They will shut that car. In the future, they will shut that car down, and it'll prevent it from going places. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's all those back doors that we were worried about with the Huawei chips that were going to be incorporated into the UK security system, um, which is why we didn't buy them from China. Or maybe the government has bought them now. We won't know because that 
discussion ended at the same time as COVID started. It was just one more way of, you know, brushing things under the carpet, getting things done without everybody realising what was happening. It's the magician waving his left hand in front of your face while the right hand steals your wallet to be produced later on. It's it's that's what it is. But that that lady from the World Bank, was she Imelda Marcos's younger sister or something? I think she was a, a Filipino <laughs> lady. She was, yeah. I, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um but it it just amazes me that the World Bank, people have this impression that it is a multinational benevolent entity. It's not. It's the it's in the ownership of of two main families. The Rockefellers and the Rothschilds are the ones that are calling these shots. All the faces, we've said it before, the faces they allow you to see are the expendable ones. Maybe Gates is one of those expendable ones, or should be. And the sooner he is expended, in my humble opinion, the better. I I also want to point out that she was uh, not a very good script reader. That was all script, and I want to know... Who wrote that script for you? Yeah, uh huh. You can yeah. see her stopping yeah. and reading across on the screen there, and then going back over to where she needed to speak. Yeah, but this track and trace nonsense. So many people had to buy into it because they wanted air quotes their freedom back. Uh, and so when we were allowed to go to restaurants again, there were these QR codes to be read by your phone, and you had to fill in details and book and give an email address and all these kind of things. Every time I was in, you had, you know, download the the track and trace app to your phone so that they could um, legitimately track your whereabouts. But of course, they were doing it illegitimately without your knowledge anyway, because they don't need to um, to have a, an app on your phone to track where it is. As long as that phone is registered to you, that's why burner phones are no longer available. They don't sell them like that anymore. Um, people used to buy them all the time. You can get them, of course, but, um, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're becoming less common. But I, I never downloaded the app. I used to just wave my phone, which had the Wi-Fi and the mobile data switched off at the thing at the restaurant and then just walk through. I couldn't believe it when the first person on one of my favorite television programs, The Chase, which is a quiz show, you have it in the States as well, said that they were a track and trace agent. You know, it's a job, it's a career now. I I wouldn't have had the brass neck to admit that on national television, but this person did. They were rubbish and and, um, got knocked out by the chaser fairly early, I'm glad to say. That track and trace method, all all that nonsense. Uh, In the gamer world, we would call that a stress test. And that's exactly what that was. It was a stress test. It was was, uh, an early adaptation of the social credit system. And it, it, it was to see if the systems were ready to have a massive amount of data come in and where, you know, the, the weak points were and what they needed to upgrade. That's literally what that was, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. no, you're, you're right. It, the lockdown, sending everybody home, stress testing the uh, the streaming services, the massive Zoom calls, offsite meetings, things like that, all that stuff. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, this whole thing, and I know we're talking about Gates today, but the whole thing with Musk buying Twitter, some think it's a good thing that it's going to be an opening up of um, of freedom of speech again. But the freedom of speech on Twitter has never really been that free because you still 
there, there's always been rules as to what you can and can't say. And I wonder how many people I didn't know Ned had to tell me, and I was uh, more mortified at how um, uninformed I'd been that Elon Musk developed PayPal. He did, yeah. And and he used it to fund other projects, which yeah, we true. are now suffering from, such as the enforced electric car mandate, which uh -huh. 2030 is bringing us. So I don't think his purchase of Twitter is to be trusted. I think it's just a case of it's one more billionaire in control of another area having his strings pulled by the you know the 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 ones we never see. Yeah. And the, to that point, the uh, the Saudi prince that is one of the major shareholders, he's had a change of heart uh, and he now says today publicly that Elon Musk is an excellent choice for Twitter. He'll do whatever the shake above him tells him to do. But, <laughs> That's um, true. Yes, <laughs> that is true. You know, they, they, they don't tend to rebel uh, very much. And those that do rebel wind up falling out of helicopters. That's true. Um I, uh, I wanted to story. It is. I, I wanted to spend uh, want to spend a couple more minutes here on, on this. Now, this is not exactly Gates, but since we delved down the uh, the road of digital IDs and stuff and social credit, well, this is going to play to it. Uh, this is a little bit further. Uh, Marty, you actually commented uh, on this uh, on our Telegram page, and you were actually speaking back and forth to a uh, uh, to another person that was commenting on it. This is Klaus Schwab sitting on the uh, the stage at the World Economic Forum. And th this is where it goes. Like, this is where it goes. This is something else that Musk is involved with is this implantable stuff, you know, the Neuralink stuff. That's what all this is going to be about is that right there. And this is what they want to do in the future. You think just tracking you on a phone or in your electric car is what they want? No, that's not where they're going to stop. Do I need to go back and play the clips of Noel Harari again, which is Klaus Schwab's one of Klaus Schwab's top advisors? Do I need to play that again saying, oh, no, 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 we can't do above the skin anymore. Now we need to go under the skin. We need to find out what's going on inside your body. We need to know all that information. Hmm. Well, here's Klaus. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react, or I can feel uh, how the people react um, to your answers. Uh, is it imaginable? Um, I, I think that is imaginable. It's a bit strange that that's where the clip stops, because I'm pretty sure that guy was says, I think it's imaginable, but it's absolutely insane, and we don't want yeah. it, <laughs> is, is what I think he was going to say. And has Klaus got, is he, is he that far on the spectrum of autism that he cannot read people's faces? Because I would imagine that if he was to see my face to face, he would know exactly how I felt about him without me saying a word. You did um, say he would get that reaction. Yeah, you did say seventy percent of communication is nonverbal. So exactly, uh, and and so um, he would he would know pretty quickly, and it, he would probably turn tail and and run away or, or stand behind his security detail anyway. But no, just just no, people don't even uh, entertain this idea because it is the end of humanity. The moment we let them start putting chips in our brains, unless it's some kind of device that can repair a, a neuron and remake Absolutely. connections in the brain. Absolutely. If but somebody's, the idea if somebody's that, paralyzed or somebody's blind and they can see again, I mean, I'm all for that. If somebody's deaf yeah, and, and they can hear again, yeah. man, I'm, I'm all for it. 
but someone's not got as ALS a way and of, we can cure that, I'm all I'm all on board with it. Yeah, but not as a way of transmitting our emotions and feelings or responses. It would kill poker, wouldn't it? You could never have a game of poker ever again. Yeah, poker's finished. Yeah, that's true. A couple things real quick. Uh, I want to point out the Musk thing real quick. Uh, he has said Twitter will follow the regulations as far as Twitter, how they'll censor. It'll follow whatever the laws are. Um, so that's kind of a, a signal to the elite that if you guys pass laws through Congress or whatever, Twitter will follow it. The next thing about this uh, implants and all of that BS, I the, the, the problem I have with it is how many of us out there have had a thought while you're conversing with someone and you immediately shoot that thought down and it's kind of like, you know, you move on past it. It's just kind of fleeting thoughts that you have. I don't necessarily want those transmitted to someone else, you know. Uh, when I'm talking to them, I, 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 I don't, that's, there's so many interactions that you have that there's people. Okay. As an example, people in your life, let's say your significant other asks you the question, does this stress make me look fat? I normally answer, no, it's all the cakes you eat that make you look fat, but that doesn't go down well. Well, yeah, that wouldn't go down well. Not like the cakes did, but having the implant the thoughts that you might have before you filter it and say something, you know. Yeah, you, you would be in a world of trouble. And I was half joking earlier on when I said that Gates may have been cloned. If his brain can be kept alive, there is no reason why organ after organ cannot be replaced into his body and keep him going for however long. And we, we know yeah. that the... The Chinese Communist Party are not above organ harvesting from prisoners and other detainees. So there's every chance that he has got a plan to live for quite some time. That is true. You that can 3D true. print them. You can yeah. Print your, them now, yeah. Your genetic code. Yeah. So you could yeah. you could do a replacement that is identical to your current genetic code, you know, so your body will accept it fairly easily, actually. I, I've seen some of the research and it looks very promising for legitimate medical treatments in the future. Maybe that's what that big belly is all about. Maybe it's post-operative swelling and scar yeah. tissue. Who knows? Yeah. Could be. Could be. <laughs> Last clip here. This is uh, this is not Gates and this is not Klaus. I, I do apologize, uh, Marty. Uh, this is oh. MEP Christian Terres, who was speaking at the European Parliament on what is happening here on the continent of Europe. It's not good. It's not good because, oh, yes, all the COVID restrictions have gone away. All the uh, all the relaxations have gone away. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. They're just hitting the check valve. They're blowing off some steam. That's all they're doing. This is all going to come back, and it's all going to come back tenfold. You watch. As I said, Deutsche Telekom is building the uh, the social, excuse me, the digital ID system. They're building that. They're building that without your permission. They're just doing it, even though no one wants it. Those protests are still going on here. They haven't stopped. And I expect them to get larger as the weather gets warmer. It's not about COVID anymore. It's about that digital wallet. Everything's leading to that. That's what everything's going to be centered around. When I was talking about getting in the car and saying, oh, sorry, the data is not going back to the uh, the car manufacturer. That's just part of it. That's another cog in that wheel. With Gates talking about uh, the vaccines and, uh, well, he he's deeply desirous to know where everyone is. I played you the clip from the presentation at the World Bank in 2020 saying, oh, we'd like to thank our uh, our, our biggest uh, sponsors. And that's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Of course they want to know about it. Who do you think's behind it? MEP Terez talking about the social credit system. Clearly, we are witnessing right now the Chinification of Europe. 
because we see what is happening in China right now with the social credit score, where the government is monitoring and uh, surveilling all the people from the beginning to end. Everything that they do, everything, everywhere where they walk, every, it's every, you know, they control everything and they, they, they watch everything. This is the example of a tyranny. When the government knows everything about you, where you go, what you eat, where you, where you enter, that's a tyrannical system. And we've seen the system being implemented right now under the leadership of Ursula von der Leyen, slowly but surely in the, in the, in the European Union. The green certificate was, was just the first step. There are a few more proposals right now under debate in the parliament. The European wallet ID, for example, the European social security card, all these things that are creating a system that will monitor, control, supervise, and condition the rights of all the European citizens. Just yesterday, before yesterday actually, on Monday, in the plenary, we had the commissioner for work. And he said, well, we need the social, European social security card number, pass, as he called it, certificate, to facilitate the freedom of movement. You know, we heard this before with the green certificate. So they use, this is the same narrative. And I invite you guys as journalists, just watch what they say and what they do. Because there's a 180 degree difference from what they say and what they promise and what they are committing to in front of the plenary and what the end result is. When the green certificate was implemented, again, the commissioner said on record that this is to facilitate the freedom of movement. And that's it. Even in the case that someone does not have this green certificate, the regulation allows you to freely travel from one country to another. The problem is when you arrive in a certain country, you will have to follow certain <laughs> medical restrictions, you know, like quarantine and others. So from what we was told back then in April and May, look where we are right now. So I'm glad that you asked this question and I invite all the journalists from Europe and from the world to see what is happening here because we should not allow this. We should not forget that the European Union was created in a total opposition of the Soviet Union. Odd vote for him. That is Romanian MEP Christian Teres. Uh, he's he's quite good. Uh, he, he's quite good. He's, mm. he's very vocal. Uh, but he has been one of the MEPs that have been uh, on one of the oversight committees watching all of this take place. And he says, look, as an MEP, he says, I can do what I can. He says, but I can't stop it. I can tell you about it. He says, but I can't stop it. Because the commission, and, and you've made this point several times, Marty, this is before the Brexit vote, the, the commission, there's no voting. There's, there's no voting. The, the MEPs, I don't even know what they're there for. They stand up there and they argue these things. Like Farage, he was in there for years. He was arguing things. But what can they actually stop? And the answer is nothing. So this is going to come in. And honestly, I am, I, I'm a very optimistic person. You, got, you guys know me. I'm a very optimistic person. I'm a very hopeful person. But I'm less optimistic that we're going to be able to sort this out peacefully. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. And you've calmed me down on a number of occasions over the phone and that I was of that opinion some time before you that this is not going to end well. And and the only way it's going to end is with more uh, refugees, shall we say. Uh -huh. People are going to be made to move. There, there will be more conflict. I can't see any other way of ever stopping this rot without some people making, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. I don't have anything else today. We can end it there. Uh, we're, we're at time. So uh, is there anything else you wanted to uh, to discuss? Do you have any closing points you'd like to make? Uh, I'd just we, like to make sure that you're very, very thorough 
when going through with that bleep button from earlier. Oh, yes, I That's will. all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be very thorough with it. Yeah, I'll make sure that it gets done. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, if you like the podcast you're listening to, we do love having you as a listener, and we would humbly ask you to pass this along to five friends. That's all, just five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Thanks, guys. Good night, Johnny. Good night, Bruce.